Hello and welcome to this week's Radio Oedipus, the podcast all about the culture of beer. And I'm your host, Danny Walker. On today's show, I have two stories to tell. In part one, I discuss colour and the visual world with Victor Brangolo, the art director here at Oedipus Brewing. And in part two, I dive into the world of soup with the Soup Coke and Van Leen, a new project set up by previous radio guest Lena Kavilhauer. Lean serves a delicious homemade soup every Saturday using seasonal local ingredients. All that on today's Radio Oedipus. Every day, our eyes soak in millions of colours, but many of us rarely stop to study them. However, knowing how to use them can be a powerful tool. Victor Brangolo is an artist and the art director responsible for Oedipus's colourful designs, but also as someone who can navigate colour to achieve many different feelings and emotions. From sexy to thirsty, to making you want to get up and dance, to sit and question your existence in the Matrix. Today I'm going to discuss the visual world and colour with Victor. All that on part one of today's Radio Oedipus podcast. Hello Victor. Hello Danny. How are you today? Feeling great and I'm sitting in the interviewee chair. Ah, nice, nice. Wow. I think we'll start off by posing the question about how Something we said on the phone yesterday, how the beer label is a, a very small canvas, but it has a big effect and how, how important color is to what you do. Mm -hmm. um, then describing your relationship with color. Is it a love affair? Is it a dance? <laughs> oh, yeah, is it indeed. a romance? Yeah. yeah. Uh, indeed. What, what is this? Is this it always in flux? Not always, mm. I'm afraid. No, uh, colors are difficult um, It's, I think it's a never-ending uh, um, uh, quest. Okay. Uh, because you having the right color is uh, probably impossible, but you always try to get close to it. Okay. So it's like something you're like searching for, or can you? Would you say you're a master of color yet? No, I don't. I, I don't dare to say that uh, because the problem with color are. Um, If you stick to one tool, let's say paint, then you have your colors that are paint and you are working with those colors. But in my case, they have to turn into prints and to digital screen. So it's like three different uh, world of colors that I need to align. And this is very long and takes uh, a lot of energy to understand how color function from my drawings or my paintings to a print or to a digital screen. And this mm. is... Uh, yeah, a never-ending quest of finding the right balance, mm. and um, and uh, so that goes to with colors in general. Being uh, uh, colors are lights, mm. uh, light waves, and these are uh, hard to judge because uh, everybody's eyes is different, and also everyone's culture is different. And uh, your culture towards colors, what you understand of colors, is different depending on how you are taught. So this also affects how you choose color, how you decide how the green is or how the pink should be, how the blue should be, because different blues means different things. So if you put certain blue against another kind of blue, then you create a different mood. And um, yeah, this is basically the, the life, uh, it's a life quest of mm -hmm. mastering and understanding color, how fu color functions. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. And li like you said, everyone's eyes are different and everyone has uh, different preferences when it comes to colors. However, you're designing beer labels where 
you have to kind of make them look pleasing aesthetically on the eyes. Are there certain techniques that you use to make a, a label look more catchy? Well, there are different, uh, let's say, rules of colors that have been uh, decided or, let's say, have been, uh, uh, we have been accustomed to, like, for example, opposition between black and white or red, black and white functions together, all these sort of uh, uh, duo or trip or, let's say, duo, um, what's the term? It's... Uh, well, I don't have the term now, but you have certain colors that works together, like green and red. All of these are... These are the colors that are in harmony. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Harmony of color that uh, I've learned to understand and to use. And in beer labels, sometimes, indeed, we play on our harmony, but we also want to uh, create this color palette. So it's basically a set of colors that have made to work together, like depending... Uh, uh, on how you use them, like can be a bit of each or one more, but the others less, and they still function together. They are they have this uh, unity. So that's what we do, uh, um, and I'm let's say uh, very cautious about is how which color plays the main role on the label. Like there's certain colors that have to play the the the, the leading role, and others have to be supportive, and that affects. Uh, the use of certain colors, for example, if you want to be, uh, in, let's say, bright, uh, uh, sunny, and uh, let's say, uh, f give a feeling of something light, then you would uh, reduce the, the the use of darker color. Or they would be more of a, they will underline details just mm -hmm. to bring the light forward. Because if if everything is bright, then you don't see it. You need a bit of a contrast there, or the opposite. If everything is more dark. And then you, you you sprinkle some brighter color to uh, to 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 enrich this darkness or the or the basically the, the 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 dullness of this world is less because of these few spots of light that makes it more rich. Mm -hmm. That's how how you I often work with color in a way. Try to define this palette and then decide who plays the major role and who is supportive. Mm -hmm. In that way, colors could be used as a, as almost like a language to tell a certain story, I guess. Yeah, that's, uh, it's very commonly used in uh, books, uh, especially kids' books, you know, uh, simple shapes have uh, simple meanings, especially, uh, let's say, uh, books about learning language or learning mm. objects, you know, like uh, green, red, it's uh, one object. So indeed, colors... They are a matter. They are, let's say, uh, I see colors as a form of, um, yeah, a living matter, something that is that that has its inherent uh, uh, capacities and its energy and its, um, let's say, almost its own DNA. And the way the drawing and the composition uh, cuts it or uh, put it together, that's what it gives. Let's say, uh, its, its direction. But colors is uh, indeed uh, can be everything in a way. Like a, a red room means so much, you know, in comparison to a room that's uh, like a patchwork of different colors. You know, you have really have this sort of a, a strong emotional connection with colors. Mm. So, yeah. But also a bright red room and a dark red room could mean yeah, a lot of different exactly. things. Exactly. Or uh, even the colors of your bed sheets mm. could uh, have, affect your, uh, your, uh, 
your emotions or your sensation in a room. So, yeah, I really, in that sense, respect colors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what they mean. Uh, uh, they are not just, uh, let's say, it's not just uh, we have this infinite choice, so we just like to color the world. No, it's like they, they each colors has its uh, power and its strengths, and it's, you have to harness it or to let it go completely sometimes, just... This is the orange moment. Go orange, you know, and that's uh, that's sometimes uh, uh, great when you are in this design uh, or this research. You understand this moment. You're like, okay, this is going to be green and red or blue. This is it, you know. This is the, the visual uh, effect I'm looking for, and this is how all these uh, things comes together. How did you learn how to navigate colors? Then was it just through experience through through drawing uh, a lot and constantly with the canvas and the paintbrush, how did you get better at this? Mm, well, or did they, you have to read certain things to I to think, respect these harmonies? Yeah, I think there was a, there is a part of uh, let's say art school classes yeah. that, are, that are involved. You know, simple things to to know when using color harmony or uh, creating colors. You know how you make a color using paint, for example, or ink, but. It's true that I've been well, it's, I've painting and drawing since I'm a kid, so I've been using colors a lot. And I think it's been very chaotic road. I think when I was younger, I was completely black and white. Then I switched to blue and mm. then I moved to uh, red. And then I had a moment where I was just uh, using colors in all directions. Like when my teenage, I was just painting or drawing with re using everything I had. And it was <laughs> like a mess of colors. I don't know how to say that. And it's really when I entered art school where, I don't know, things became a bit more clear. Why why do I paint? Why do I draw? So the use of colors made more sense because you need to express uh, something. And I think uh, graphic design uh, as a form of communication uses visual, which is for me uh, maybe the easiest way <laughs> mm. to use visual communication. So yeah, using colors, it's, um, it's a difficult... Um, pass in a way because you can go wrong but i have to say yeah it's more experience now it's I've, i feel a bit more now i feel let's say uh at ease with starting with colors rather than sticking to black and white too long because it's a starting point you use start black and white just to understand your structure your composition how the, the drawing is based and then you add colors uh, gradually to see how they talk to each other. But now, especially in Oedipus, I'm really uh, in line with the colors we use and the type of language we have. So I can dive in colors right away. Uh, I keep sketch to the minimum, let's say, to really the core of what I want to do. Uh, but for example, on something completely new, uh, something else, yeah, I, I'm still a black and white uh uh, drawing like I, I like to draw black and black and white I like to paint black and white it's a it's more it's more to the gesture and to the it's close to me let's say to okay. start black and white but colors is really the let's say the ex, the expression like uh, the, the, the 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 tip of the iceberg you know and this is what you see but yeah. the black and white is the structure Below is, is black that the, and white. the rawest idea comes from black and white. Yeah, it's. Okay. I often, in my when I look at uh, or I think about an idea or an image in my head, I project it black and white often. Mm -hmm. uh, 
because I like to see what you call negative and positive space in an image. So you create your image and you have your subject and you have something that is not the subject, but they both function uh, together. So the mm. positive space is what, let's say, you want to build or craft or draw and the negative space are the space that you left. But it doesn't mean that they have they are empty space. They are space that you you um, let uh, go hard as they are. And uh, you, the, 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 let's say in a letter, for example, you have the, the negative space will be the, the drop of an A or an E. Mm. And it's very important to master this negative space because otherwise the positive space gets clunky. You don't understand the letter anymore, things like that. And uh, also, for example, if you just turn a drawing upside down, then you understand better this negative space because if you change your point of view, your drawing looks weird, then you understand that your uh, perspective or your composition is not uh, um, supported by negative space mm. accordingly. Is there something you have to be more in tune with maybe because a... a uh Beer label is 360 degrees, right? You need to you need to make sure that uh, your visual world is represented from more than just one angle. Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, beer label or labels in general are uh, spe yeah very specific because it's tiny, and then a bottle is is a, a cylinder, mm -hmm. so you will see one side, but there will be a hidden side always, and it cause or you have to manipulate the bottle to understand it so that's why the designs i make they have a focal point the front obviously where the product should be understood uh, by its name or what it is but then this world basically grows around it and it's a it's a big philosophy in oedipus how we do things but basically the design they have to embrace the, the object and I build my design so the focal point radiates towards the edge, uh, uh, both in visual or in meanings. And this is why yeah, I want to uh, always be aware of how the shapes are uh, drawn or they put together to really um, yeah, capture the whole object and not just be a sticker mm. on the bottle. Because, I mean, it's a very... Uh, common thing to do uh, here. We here we really want to uh, embrace the object with the design. Ideally, it goes all around and further. <laughs> mm. How uh, how long have you been involved with Oedipus? So I uh, started uh, well before it was even Oedipus. Uh, so it started when I was doing my uh, art studies uh, in Amsterdam at the Rietveld Academy, and I met uh, one of the founders, Rick. And then through Rick, I met the other founders, so Sander, Alex, and mm. Paul. And if I remember correctly, that was just in at the end of my study. So I was done, uh, it was 2011. Rick as well, I think he was all done the same year. And he invited me to um, give, a, basically help or be there when they were doing homebrewing at this place. And they were already starting, but I think the concept Oedipus or the idea of being a brewery was still uh, far away. And I, uh, I discovered the thing at that moment. So it was somewhere in September or October 2011. 
And I think they naturally asked me if I could design a little uh, image or a sort of a, a little presentation because they wanted to release their beer at the bar they used to work, the Beer Temple. That was sort of the first event. And I, I thought, yeah, I was better at this than being a brewer or a home brewer because they were already four. So yeah, that's how it started, very naturally and with no big plans, really like, okay, let's make fun, uh, let's, have, let's have beer and have parties. Or, uh, it's it's, it's a, like sort of a project where everybody can uh, join because it's a completely new, new frontier, let's say. So that's how it started. Uh, how did, what did your own uh, personal artwork look at the time, what you were making at the academy? Mm. I think when I was finishing the Riedveld, I was sort of in a crisis. I was against print. Uh, I was, was not making books. I was not drawing much. I like Classic uh, coming to the end of art school, yeah, re revolting were, against the th system. There was something like that, yeah. I was. I mean, the Riedveld is an art school that is not very, um, uh, like, uh, let's say, I was in graphic design department, and the graphic design department has nothing really It's, they are not fans of drawings or illustration. They are not really, they don't really teach that. They teach you design, graphic design, and the way of being a designer with, an, with your own artistic approach. But the whole drawing, illustration, or even painting aspect is, uh, is not there because also both, I think it's both teachers and way of teaching. So when I was done, I was a bit bored of the old books and I was not drawing and painting and... But I finished my graduation with a series of objects that were sort of drawing, sculpture drawing, which I painted, and I really enjoyed making those. And that sort of took me back to drawing, but through um, another road that I used to have before, which was more, let's say, natural and child childlike. I would just sketch, do sketchbook without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And because of making this object taught me like, yeah, drawing can be reused in design process differently. You can actually uh, mean something with drawing or create uh, words. I don't know. They, I needed maybe sort of a, um, a restart on my drawing approach. So it restarted naturally with this Oedipus project, but it took years to well, until I felt that I was confidently back onto the drawing and painting uh, uh, side. I was, for a moment, I was even considering making typeface. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, I, I think it's amazing, uh, typeface and uh, painting letters. It's, I put a lot of attention in my letters in the logo of, I, of Oedipus, mm -hmm. of like the, each beer has a logo name and uh, drawing these letters, it's always a, it's a secret um, achievement for me like oh yeah, yeah it's for me it's very important but uh, i know the world around the beer is is great but for me the logo is a uh, sort of the my own uh, my own achievement your own favorite achievement yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice what has that uh, journey been like slowly seeing your uh artworks in more and more people's hands you know as as beer has now been available in the supermarkets or in different bars across Amsterdam, the city you live in. Do you still get kind of a bit of a funny feeling seeing people hold your pieces of artwork in their hands and bringing it to their mouth to take a delicious sip? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always this. Of course, you have moments. 
I'm in a shop, I see like a, a, a cabinet full of Oulipus beer and I look at it uh, with curious eyes because I'm always worried about the prints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I want to look at the labels, how they are, how the colors are, is it printed well, does that, is the effect or is the, the thing clear? That's my first concern. But they have, you have this moment where I see people uh, enjoying a beer um, uh, without, um, uh, they just say, oh, I like this beer from Oulipus. And, uh, and then they look at the label and I spot that and try to understand, you know, what, what's really uh, making the point for them. And that's always comforting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or when on sometimes on Instagram, you see people um, uh, genuinely uh, um, taking these designs for themselves, like making mm. their own T-shirt based on Manolive Day. That was for me very like quite of an achievement. Or uh, some people want to decorate their place or decorate something using or very much inspired by what I do. And that's for me like what a, that's a, the start of a something for me. <laughs> and, um, but it's true that, yeah, now it's, uh, it's a lot of beers. I see the, the logistic area is full of boxes that I've designed inside you. It's full of beer that I've designed. So I tend to sometimes forget about this. Mm -hmm. But when I'm facing it uh, in shops, yeah, it's, uh, it's rewarding. But at the same time, I'm like, well, that's, uh, this is what it is. Huh? This is a beer. Uh, uh, beer is a, like a product that is in shops and this... Mm. This is how it is. Like I don't uh, uh, brush myself with pride every time I see uh, our beer somewhere. You mm. know, uh, it feels like a logical achievement for me. The real achievement is when these people they really they found that this is really meaningful in a way, mm. both let's say visually as a thing and a bit of a message to it. Like what do they really understand from this? Mm. I have uh, something I would like to ask you. Last, uh, so last year, I spent uh, maybe six months of my life on on dating apps, mm -hmm. and I think I counted maybe up to ten plus times that I saw someone on the dating app holding Oedipus bottles and Oedipus designs. Oh, I was wondering if you think your artwork helped get you help you find love or date. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't knew that. Uh, well, that's a fun one. Did you took screenshot of I that? I did a few. Yeah, ah, we can talk more about this yeah. later. But uh... wow, no, I didn't knew that part of that sort of um, um, yeah. Uh, 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 let's say a reuse of the artwork. Uh, I've never seen any other beverage beverages in people's hands more more often than I've seen Oedipus beer labels. Wow, that's really fun. I mean, it can come from some beers having names evoking certain um, certain aspect of life, sexually or emotionally or yeah. sensually. But um, yeah, I mean, do you think maybe it was a subtle hint then if they were holding a polyamory? Uh, yeah. Well, I can, <clears throat> I don't know if the Oedipus design. Was, were really like a wingman to me in this uh, specific moment, ah, okay. you know. I don't know, I don't know. But uh, I have noticed a couple of times that um, 
uh, when people who know Manolive Day and, and like the design of Manolive Day and when they see that it's me who made it, that creates maybe a sense of uh, uh, like people feel really close to you mm -hmm. or very at, at, attracted, maybe a big word, but they, they feel very um, uh, like they can talk to you very naturally for some reason. Because Manolive Day, what it means or what is the, the, the they, there's a lot of, there's some fun to it at the same time. And if they see that's me and creates that bound. So I, but I cannot confirm that it was like, <laughs> like a, yeah, a Tinder trick for me. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I also, the evidence is inconclusive whether it worked, but just something that came to mind. All right. Um, So talking about the process in which you uh, develop beer labels, uh, what is the starting point when creating this visual world behind each beer label? Mm, some beers have started really, um, like the oldest Oedipus beer that we know of, Manolive Day, uh, Gaia or Tai Tai or Mama, in a way, they started in a time where we had a lot of... Um, inspiration uh, in going in all direction. So these worlds sort of started very uh, with no rules or no, um, no boundaries. Others have been made in a way with a bit more reflection prior. But I have to say, uh, we have this discussion regarding how we create a beer and what is the meaning, what is the message and what we want to say. And then for me, it's, it's really like, um, like I let go. I search for image. I scribble something. I, uh, list jokes or videos that refers to, to this meaning. And it's really how it starts. There's not really like a, I don't have a methodology that is, um, extremely strict. You know, I do my three sketches. I show my three straight sketches, which we choose, and then we go on. It's really, it starts very much from this sort of bowl or these clouds of, of inspiration. But when something feels right, we think this is where it should go. Then it's like, uh, as if I drop or I dive into this meaning, and then I start to really paint and create and do this... Uh, all these symbols that evoke this world. So it could be quite abstract, but it can also be very, the early sketch of certain beer were much more, um, in a way, illustrative, very straightforward. And then we slowly uh, remove or simplify many details to stick to the core idea, the core meaning, without being too to direct your imagination too much because we want people to keep or want imagination to keep, to, to run. Like people should use this, their imagination, should be, be dreamy. And that's why we, for some beer labels, we remove as much as we can. So if you draw or if you make something that's too clear, then it becomes a, a bit of a... Um, Uh, a landmark like it's uh, it's too much of a you either get it or not with Oedipus design I think it's very much open in a way like you have to you, you can get it or not you can just like the designs um, yeah I think that's it 
How does your relationship with Sander, who is a brewer, like you said, work when developing a beer? What do you bring to the beer making process? Is it just colour or, or or is it kind of, like you say, depth to the beer? Mm, well, I think Sanders, of course, it's quite of a different type of work, obviously, because he works, it's a mix. For me, I see Sander is, is really at the at the crossroad being being a chef, being a chemist, being a beer maker, being a... Uh, flavor, uh, I would call that someone who is studying flavor in general, like yeah. who search about flavors. And me, I would say I have thought some of this aspect in on the visual world, let's say on paintings or on. So I, I think we we reach each other on this bridge. Like we we both come from our different worlds, but we come together into this this beer product. Sander wants to make an amazing beer uh, that is, you know, uh, something when you drink, you're like, ah, that's fresh, that's new, or that's really unique. And I want to do the same, but for the pack, the package, the product itself, the whole, mm -hmm. um, and this is where we meet. And uh, we, I would say we inspire each other in that sense uh, uh, from Uh, what he discovers on his on his side for on the world of flavor or recipe and also fine-tuning I, i also realize more and more than fine-tuning a beer recipe takes as much time as fine-tuning designs because oh, yeah. they are always checking you know beer batches uh, making sure the ingredients are right or is it about the water or is it the amount or you know all of this is constantly checked and verified and i do the same for my design of course you may not see it but sometimes it's a subtle color change or just few objects has, have been moved or i'm just changing uh, i don't know a way of doing the design to basically simplify my life or whatever and it takes a lot of time and i think for me colors i wanted to say that feels a bit like yeast in that whole okay. process. Yeah. Right. Because you need to master colors, especially at Oedipus, and really understand how they function. Same like yeast does to beer. And there's always a bit of moment of mystery when mm. things for me get printed or colors get uh, mixed in front of you. You're like, hmm. Mm. When developing ideas... Do you listen to music? Are you uh, sitting down? Are you standing up? Uh, do you even drink beer? <laughs> uh, for beers, re recipe, yes, it's been a lot. Uh, been a lot of beer tasting, also before uh, creating beers, or yeah. under to understand what this beer is about. This was one thing, but in general, when I create an idea, it's. I think the best is when I am. Uh, Um, I think when I'm moving, it's the best moment where I, ideas comes. But I love to listen to music or conference or, or podcasts or lectures. So there's always moment where I, I draw, but I put on lectures or an audiobook. And that sort of can feed my imagination a bit, you know, in the process. So, yeah, it's for me, I need to be um, active. I think when an idea comes to mind. Because mm. your designs do have a lot of energy. They often feel like they're moving. And mm -hmm. a lot of the 
Oedipus designs have kind of dancers in them. Um, yeah, I was wondering how you make a, a kind of 2D image feel this energy and uh, it was is it in any response to uh, you listening to some uh, music and dancing in your atelier? I, yeah, I have to say, uh, for me, this, all these are links uh, okay. uh, deeply in me. Uh, so I don't uh, feel forced to... Um, put energy in those drawings in those for me it's like it's the natural expression of uh, myself in a way energy movement uh uh yeah dance and in a way uh that i understood with the years that i my practice of karate sort of is reflected in the way i draw or vice versa, I don't know. But there is something which I draw that I realized that reminds me of certain movement and certain body sensation that I feel when I'm practicing karate. So uh, for me, this, all these things are linked. Like I cannot draw um, only with my fingers. Uh, there is an entire movement in my body that sometimes di dictates my paintings or my, or my drawings. Of course, it can be cerebral, all my ideas, but when it's my body ex executing the thing, uh, it is my move, my body is involved. And sometimes I also switch hands because I feel I'm a right-handed mm -hmm. and I feel sometimes it's my left hand that is better fitted for the job. So wow. I sometimes switch hands because I don't feel the drawing from the right hands. Mm. I don't do that often, but sometimes it's clear to me like this should be made by with my left hand. <laughs> so it's almost uh, a less kind of, you do it more with feeling rather than uh, applying some form of theory. Yeah, yeah. Some it's, kind of outer body experience. Yeah, is there, there is a bit of that, like especially when it comes to uh, creating these movements and placing the symbols or... Um, I don't know how to explain that really, but my eyes, they see where things should fit, like the what I said before, the negative and the positive space, like creating this uh, dynamic in the drawing. It's, I feel it, you know, it's not that I have perfect uh, sketch in my head. Mm. I have something, I, I lay the elements, but when I start doing it, I feel where this... Uh, let go and this uh, expression should 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 go so that's mm. yeah i've basically i think a, a thing for that mm. naturally for this movement this uh, energy this explosions yeah that's yeah i i for example uh, i don't like to draw um buildings architecture mm -hmm. uh, like because uh, they're static yeah i when if i if I draw this, I always bend the drawing in a way that they have the bit of a crooked architecture. Uh, okay. So that for me, ha it keeps a bit of that movement. Yeah. In it. That's one thing. Yeah. I think I understand uh, your expression. I've seen you on the dance floor quite a few times <laughs> and I would definitely call that expressive. How important is your kind of workspace? We're, we're in your little atelier now mm -hmm. uh, and it's a great, lovely place to be. It does have a certain energy um, because of all the colourful paintings on the wall. How important is that workspace in order to kind of help your creative process? For me, I also see this atelier as a sort of a s extra brain because I can 
lay around all my paintings, my sketch, my books that I'm making now or things like that. And having them surrounding me, like a bit of this uh, cave painting or like everything is on the wall. Um, it's like putting thoughts there for later. Like you, you, you slowly get... Um, It's like your bread, your piece of bread on the on the plate with sauce. You know, you slowly, the slowly the sauce comes back to the bread, <laughs> and and then you it's ready. You know, so I, that's how I think atelier is. That's why this atelier is, is great. Is because I can uh, let things uh, uh, marinate in a way visually around me, mm. and then I pick up details or I understand something after maybe months. I'm like. Oh, Oh, this is how it should be painted. Oh, this is what the color is about. Not, you know. Yeah. Let's take a look at a couple of examples mm -hmm. before we go any further um, of, of beasts and of, uh, uh, beers that you've developed. I think Manalithra is an obvious one. Yeah. So how how do you find the right shade of pink to use on that? Um, so Manalithra, yeah, it's uh, it's the probably one of the oldest beer I've designed. Uh, and it's been a long process because I think this beer especially is linked with my own um, growth as a designer or artist, but also my understanding of printing process and working with different suppliers for the label. So mm -hmm. the pink is was a very long process because we wanted a pink that evoked flesh, uh, but not something... Um, uh, too cute like we, we wanted a pink that has a bit of this yellow in it that it has a bit of this uh, I call it soft pink in my yeah. own language so it should be soft it should not be a pink that's bubblegum or barbie mm -hmm. and also the, the yellow of the label because it's how it's placed helps Uh, let's say connects with the bit of that yellowish tone of that pink. And how are you finding that right pink? How is it to do with explain how like saturation and tone works in order to kind of capture that effective fleshy pink? Yeah, it's a lot of test print, a lot of uh, a lot of colors you look at. And uh, did it come from organic? Does it come from uh, a paint, or is it on the computer that you? No, first it's paint. Uh, or ink. So I looked, I did so many um, Manolivde pinks, let's say, over the years that I sort of get what is the pink of Manolivde. And then when you translate this paint onto your computer, you also have to prepare it for the printing process, which happens uh, uh, with Pantone colors. And Pantone colors are the colors, I mean, Uh, every designer knows them. They are colors uh, used in a printing uh, in the world. Like they are a, a big reference for colors. They are usually brighter than the regular color we print with. Mm -hmm. And they are usually um, more rich in, in, in tone, in, co in color um, gamut. You know, they, they bring more colors out. They can be even fluo in certain aspects. So I have to adapt what I've done in my atelier to these colors and this process takes really long because your screen also has a bit of a different color reading so to find this pink yeah it took us maybe a couple of 
years of trying out just to be sure this was the right pink and and maybe yeah maybe it's the best pink forever but maybe in one or two years when if we see switch color process a color printing process or label type if also the paper has an effect as an mm -hmm. effect we may have to adapt the pink again mm -hmm. so yeah it's uh, that's why i said with sonder mm -hmm. that's where it really close to beer like mm -hmm. this pink now is, is is good but maybe who knows mm -hmm. maybe we want to make a Uh, a man of day that's a bit more uh, even more fleshy let's see mm -hmm. what research did you have to do to to kind of compose the visual world behind man of um you mean uh, uh, now this yeah, one well or? you said earlier how you would uh it would often be drawing or it would be often looking at pictures and images uh, and and youtube yeah. videos ah yeah so Manolifte. what were you looking at oh yeah i was uh Manolive Day, I was looking at a lot of bodies okay. uh, coming together. It's not porn, but it's just how basically there's a lot of pictures of people uh, hugging each other or, or very sexual image, but they are not uh, they are not sexual, but it's just body clothes. And I was very much looking for this this um, thing where you see hairs and and flesh. Uh, Uh, compressed or things that sort of uh, evoke, uh, let's say, hairy male chest because Manolivde is about that. Uh, it's the, it's basically a shaven male chest with a heart mm -hmm. or a shaven heart on a male chest. So it's a bit of this um, soft spot in every man. Like men also have emotions or they also have feelings or they can also... Uh, they'd be more than macho. Let's say. Mm. So my reference, my image was really finding this exact sort of uh, tr translating this, these things from the body where um, it can be, a, let's say, a strong uh, body parts, but with just this layer of hairs and this right color tone that feels really soft at the same time. Mm. That was what I was uh, looking at. It looked funny if you were <laughs> behind me. One way to like, ah, oh, that's interesting when you're looking at. Your your drawings and images often uh, have themes of natural and sexual images. Where I can see a, a mm. collection of yours that's all about genitalia. Why so? Why these themes? Is it an area you feel comfortable in? The kind of erotic uh, genital themes. Yeah, I think yes, in a way, yes. I feel completely, uh, uh, it's for me like the like merging nature and genitals uh, is uh, like, it's really close to each, they are really close to each other. I don't feel any, any form of um, transgression or, um, or, I don't know, making sex things for making sex things. It's mm. just... They, for me, are very much the same kind of uh, aspect of nature. So having always or sometimes a bit of this evocative of, of sexuality, sensuality, uh, for me, is, is, is a good thing. It's, I don't want to make it um, like I know these kind of beers that have this very, uh, let's say, uh, pin-up kind of vibe or, or way too much sexist imagery. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to do that, obviously, but I, 
I evoke sexuality uh, using these drawings, which have maybe genderless, or let's say they evoke details that cause you to imagine those. And I think this is a bit better. And I feel completely fine with those. And uh, when I draw genitals, I also don't see that as a, as a bad drawing. <laughs> mm. It's more of a research. It's more of a, um, it's more of a language research for me in a way. Like an, what, what I'm drawing now, it's not, they are not realistic. They are more symbols. Mm -hmm. And that's for me making symbols and language uh, is also a very big underlying uh, rules. Mm -hmm. in everything I do. What is your opinion on beer labels in general? Well, uh, until the craft beer revolution, <laughs> I have to say uh, it, it is quite uh, a, a great moment we are in for beer world, I have to say, because there's so many energy potential and creativity that it's great to... to I feel uh, really happy to be part of that like at that moment, to um, have this uh, freedom for this create creativity to really express things we want to do, like things that we think is means. Because, yeah, the regular beer labels have been very much, uh, it's really strict, became very um, uh, serious. And I would say almost... Uh, um, yeah, I would say uh, not. Yeah, boring is a, is one term, but I would say almost uh, uh, mi military or something like the the regular pills labels or the default lager labels have something very strong, very um, mechanical to them. It's uh, it's so now what I see in the craft beer world is basically the opposite. It's a lot of artistic exp expression, a lot of um, um, uh, discoveries and also in beers and that's basically translated which I think is great so I hope this continues there will be a moment where maybe things will get less frenetic frenzy in this creation mm -hmm. but we are not there yet which is great so um, yeah I look a lot at what's going on on the beer world mm -hmm. especially the craft beer because it's not only about uh, creativity, it's about just how things are, are made, you know, like the certain uh, categories of beers are so new and it's also hard to understand where are they placed in terms of in the beverage map. And um, yeah, I'm also curious about how things are made from a, I would say, professional point of view, not only creative, like not only the art behind it, but also the how these products are branded, how they are photographed, how they are made, like the, the label. I try to understand all of this. Is there anything that uh, you have aspirations to design now? You've done quite a lot of beer labels and merchandise and glassware and things and signs outside bars, just to, just to list a few mm -hmm. things I know you, you've had your hands on. Is there anything else that you really want to design? Hmm... I think one, I would like to design, but that's, um, we did that once, but not fully. I think what would be fun would be to design the big truck. The big truck? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the big truck that you see on the highway. Yeah. That 
every every side is an amazing canvas. Yeah. And it's so big fun to design the entire truck. That's one thing that's sort of a uh, yeah, a little um dream of mine. And then what I would love to do at the same time, but it's it takes so much time and probably maybe not the best at this, is to animate all of that. Yeah. To give to put that into motion. So probably or an online use, but uh, every of this beer can be movement. And I would love to put that into motion. And the third thing, still with Oedipus, uh, basically all these beers evoke certain things, uh, thematically or visually, and put them into practice. So mm -hmm. certain key elements could become objects or mini campaigns. So we have to define and be serious about it, but that would be a great step because uh, spending so much time on creating, let's say, the perfect label um, uh, is, is also time. It's like it takes up your brain a bit. And now maybe it's time to leave the, the, the label world and try to adapt it. <laughs> What if I was to tell you eating soup is cool again? It's full of flavour, good for your health, and a great way to warm you up through these winter months. The Soup Coke and Van Lien has been serving up a variety of delicious homemade soups every week for the past few months. So far, her menu has included her own version of borscht, a beetroot soup with homemade ricotta, a mushroom noodle soup with homemade noodles, and even her mother's recipe for Dutch pea soup, which was served with homemade vegan sausage. Here's a conversation I had with Lien in a kitchen last week. Hey, Lean. What was Hello. the idea behind uh, your soup kitchen? Um, the the idea behind it was just serving people a very comforting meal, um, and yeah, it started out a bit as a, just like a small project to uh, keep ourselves or myself busy in this weird time. And after the yeah, second lockdown, I was talking to Simon, uh, the beef chief. Mm -hmm. Uh, just to yeah, discuss some ideas on how we could make life a bit more fun for ourselves. And, uh, and I thought of making soup just for a month and then now it's been going for a few months, uh, I don't know, two a few and a months half now, months. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and then just continue going, I think, until maybe spring starts or summer is here, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a sign that it's going well then. Uh, mm -hmm. And what's, yeah. on, what's on the menu this week? Uh, this week I made, um, I actually just finished, it's a Tuscany style white bean soup. Um, and I um, added some uh, cavallonero to it as well. And then uh, baked some fresh focaccia. Wow, so you're going all out, start to finish. Do, yeah. Do you make everything from scratch? Uh, yeah, always, actually. I mean, the, the main thing for me also to do, uh, to do this project or to make the soups is to learn something new every week and, okay. um, and to work with the interesting ingredients as well. Um, so yeah, I try to make, every, I mean, I always make everything from scratch just for me as a, as a way of learning on the go. Yeah. Yeah. Has soup always been something you ate regularly? Uh, yeah. I. I mean, I. When I do, when I go shopping, I never really uh, think too much about what I'm gonna eat. I just 
by whatever looks nice to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens often is that you end up with some bits and pieces left in your fridge. And uh, I think a soup is really good for that, just to uh, yeah get rid rid of your leftovers. Um, mm. And yeah, just open your fridge and put things in a soup. I mean. Now I have to plan it a bit more, of course, because I'm making soup for a few more, <laughs> more people. More than just yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for me, that's always what's, what soup is always about, all about. Just, um, yeah, finishing off things and, yeah, making something that's nutritious and feels good to eat. Yeah. yeah. I do think it's very underrated, uh, the soup. I like it always, like Heinz tomato soup always makes me feel like a child again. Yeah. It's a delicious, delicious treat. But where do you get your recipes from? Are they all just picked out of the sky or are you using some of grandma's old recipes? Yeah, yeah, it's a mixture of, of all of that actually. Um, yeah, I, I like some people wake up and they look on Instagram and I wake up and I go to all my cooking apps and I just read recipes. Uh, so that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from but also from going to um, a vegetable stall and looking at what they have so what's in season mostly as well um, and then also what do I feel like eating this week mm-hmm. that's also something that for me is very important I need to feel it myself as well um, yeah so that's how how I how I come across it and then I read some recipes on some soups that I like and then I try to always make my own version of the stuff that I read, so mm-hmm. I never really copy-paste something. Um, yeah. Talk about the ingredients that you get. Is that also part of the enjoyment that you get out of it, visiting all these suppliers? Definitely. I mean, that's, that's I think, half the fun, is going all over town and finding the right ingredients. And <clears throat> to be honest, like every week that I'm, or every Saturday when I'm in the kitchen and chopping those veggies, I'm. I see they're just so beautiful and it just yeah. like makes me appreciate food even more and uh, and then yeah I always try to whenever I can I try to buy uh, the vegetables at least locally and uh, and organically as well um, and yeah I get a lot of, of joy out of, out of that out of just the beautiful produce that I can cook with and mm-hmm. um, now we spoke on the on one of the earliest episodes of the podcast, but it was more about music. Yeah. But we did talk about how um, flavor and food was a not so secret kind of passion of yours. Yeah. Do you think this recent time has had kind of some positive effect on you that you've been able to branch out into your flavor passion a bit more? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've, of course, I've had more time on my hands and also more time to, to cook and to not cook in a way of I need to make myself a meal, but just make it uh, yeah a bit of a longer project. Uh, also, this is also something with cooking. Cooking costs time, and, and, and if you have that, then you can yeah you can make things so much tastier as well. I feel and uh, soup is definitely one of those things that of course you can make it uh, in a very small period of time as well but um, I think that the long process of it um, that is something that adds the extra flavor uh, Mm. to it and that's something I've yeah I've had more time for the last few months Mm. for sure 
Um, and I mean, during the week, I'm just cooking soup almost every day, just to try out new things. And yeah, it keeps me keeps me going. Yeah, I think myself included, but a lot of people around you appreciate it as well. <laughs> the soup is available every Saturday. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Thank you. No, well, thank you very much. Um, I'm looking forward to trying this week's soup. So thank you very much, and I'll leave you to finish preparation. Thank you. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for listening to this week's Radio Oedipus. This is brought to you by Oedipus Brewing, and I'm your host, Danny Walker. To check out more of Victor's designs, well, you can head over to our website, but you can also follow him on Instagram to see what else he's been working on. His address is at Victor Brangolo. If you're in Amsterdam, you can get hold of Lean Soups by heading to her Instagram page too, which is at the Soup Coke and Van Lean. I have an attached and link to this in the show notes as well. She serves soup every Saturday from the Oedipus Brewery in Amsterdam North in between 3 and 6. Remember, you can find all previous episodes of the show on our website too, which is oedipus.com forward slash radio, and by searching Radio Oedipus on your podcast app. If you use Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you like and subscribe to keep up to date. The music on today's show is written and composed by Ola I Music, and tune in next time for more explorations into the culture of beer. Beer.